The trail heads up steeply to the top of the canyon. Is it a good idea to go up while it's thundering? Below me is Moose Creek, and worst case, I can set up my tent and wait out a storm somewhere down there. So I head down to meet the trail that goes up. And of course, a false alarm. The sky clears out completely. So I continue up, heading through Low Willow, where I call out for bears. I see a moraine above and assume it's holding back my lake. But as I come closer, it's only a marshy field, and the trail veers to the left, heading up. There are tall trees on a moraine which conjure up memories of my rock veranda in the Alaska Basin. But again, there's only a puddle of water amidst aquatic plants as the trail turns sharply right and goes steeply up on a narrow esker. Now I see rock holding back a hanging canyon, yellow flowers and huge bunches growing from cracks where water spills out and has widened the space. This has got to be it, as I breathe heavy, but move steadily up towards the wall. The path jogs to the left up a steep ramp and deposits me on a moonscape. A helpful sign says, camp only a half mile from the lake. What lake? It's less of an incline now, past beautiful rock and towards one last wall. And there's the lake, tucked deep in and surrounded by thick plants. This would not be an easy place to get water, and I can't see anywhere people camp. It's windy, but wildly beautiful. But it feels kind of weird to set up here. It's too early in the day, and it's really exposed. And all of a sudden, I feel kind of a pain in my chest, like a gas bubble. Oh, for heaven's sake, it's tachycardia. I sit down and have a snack and try to relax, but my heart is racing. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles and Belega Socks for their support. Also, Summit Orthopedics in the Twin Cities. My choice for two total hip replacements. I guess you could call me bionic bliss these days. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. Before that big climb, I wake up in a granite garden in the Alaska Basin. Is the smoke clearing, I wonder? Suddenly blood drips from my nose. No more headaches, but now the altitude has me bleeding, both nostrils spurting, and I'm glad I thought to bring a bandana. It's up steeply, winding through fissures in the seemingly impenetrable wall of ancient seafloor. I end up on a massive plateau. All three Tetons peek out behind me, and I'm surrounded by mesas, walls, and a few jagged peaks. It's phenomenal up here. Flat, sparse, open, yet somehow deeply calming. Pikas squeak from rocks and one fat marmot poses. Wildflowers still in bloom eke out an existence in this arid, high-altitude environment. The wind blows hard. Above me, a red-tailed hawk soars on the thermals. A naturalist told me that birds enjoy that because it's like sitting on the couch, relaxing, and it keeps them cool. I meet a father and daughter, she with bright blue hair and he in tight lycra shorts. 
They camped in this wild openness, telling me the wind flapped their tent all night. Soon I head down towards a canyon and the trail hugs its edge. This is the Death Canyon Shelf, a fantastic place to camp, but it is far too early. A stream crosses the trail and I find a place for second breakfast looking straight into the abyss. Behind me is a huge wall with two-story house-sized boulders ejected below. Geologic time is slow, but some things happen in a hurry and it's best not to be in their way. The view is glorious, but it's filled with smoke, so in soft filter. As I continue, the wind picks up, rattling the dry plants. I still see the Tetons receding behind me. I've come a long way. I meet more hikers, warning me there's only one more stream until Marion Lake, so I fill up and filter water in the shade with a view into the canyon, though much higher now where I can make out the trail below. More backpackers come up, and I talk to everyone. It's so nice to be this relaxed. I remember hiking the John Muir Trail portion of the PCT, and also meeting happy hikers taking their time and taking it all in. I'm glad I got more water, because George the Ranger suggested I scramble up Spearhead Peak. It kind of looks like Devil's Tower in miniature. The trail goes under it, and it appears the approach is somewhere at that saddle. Indeed, there's a faint trail headed straight up through bushes and trees. The rocks are loose and they're large. I really don't want to disengage one on my foot or while standing on it. So I go slow and I look for the most solid. On this side, the monolith is less a wall and more a series of steps. I carefully move to the beginning, but now I'm on slick stones. Getting up, I realize, is one thing. Coming down on these, quite another. I can kind of see the moves for the stairs, but I look down to where I'd fall. Okay, this is just stupid. George said there are climbing moves, but I see a lovely scramble to a rounded bit right next to it, which would suit me just fine. I grab my backpack and carefully step from rock to rock, all of it changing to a mottled and sharp limestone full of holes. My feet cling tightly to it, and I easily reach the top of my lump. The views are fantastic, looking down three canyons, Death, Granite, and Fox Creek. I look for a place to sit out of the wind, and someone has helpfully laid down a flat stone. I make lunch and hang out in my cool spot for hours. Maybe this is the best part of this thru-hike. It's all the time I have to just be in the environment, studying the rock around me and below my feet. I also love that I made time to take side trips and push myself ever so much out of my comfort zone. Eventually, I head down, picking my way slowly on the clingy white rock, careful not to pick loose ones. I'm deposited on open mesa, picking up burrs as I march toward the trail I see in the distance. I cross dry stream beds, large crickets hopping out of my way. The trail leaves this tabletop and shoots straight down to Marion Lake. I meet a man carrying a gun, and another who tells me a bear was following me along the ridge. And then I realize the guy that told me that is looking for his bear spray inside his backpack. <laughs> That's not going to do you any good inside your pack. He looks at me with a smile and says, I know. 
Pretty Marion Lake sits in a bowl of massive crumbling walls, one separated from the others in a thinner layer, perhaps ready to peel off. This has been a very popular campsite over the years, seriously overused, so no lakeside camping is allowed. Only three permits are given out per night, and we all camp away from the lake. Two Mexican-American men are here, and I tell them I'll be their neighbor. Good! But how do you know I won't be awful, I ask. One can always hope. (laughs) I set the alley coop, too, right on the edge. Okay, near the edge, with a spectacular view into Granite Canyon. Then head right back to the lake to rinse my body and get water. Again, I sit on a rock for hours, just enjoying the scenery. Birds catching gnats in the willows, and pikas warning everyone of my presence. I come back to the tent as it gets chilly and we all turn in when the sky turns pink, then deep blue. Some animal crashes around outside, so I bring everything inside the tent just in case he's a thief, and also keep my bear spray at the ready. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. In a series of personal essays coupled with found sound and my own flute playing, This podcast explores my journey of self-discovery as a middle-aged woman, sharing the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. I wake up looking right into a canyon. I crawl out carefully and wander towards the lake for breakfast. The water is still, the reflection exact, lit up in orange. The imposing walls are crumbling into triangles dumping into the lake. There's bright green grass working its way into the most crumbled shelves and pines at the top like lookouts. A loon paddles across slowly, then dives under. He's got a fish and he eats it, then spreads his wings, flapping them and showing off his white belly. It's so quiet but for a few chatty squirrels, a squeeze toy pika, and crows echoing on the cliffs. I eventually return and eat a second course on our veranda again, right at the edge where I don't want to drop my spoon. The sun peeks in and out of clouds. A dead tree stands still on a private peninsula, with branches reaching to the sky. Ranger George mentions some good scrambling to the west, so I take the trail, then veer off to climb loose stone up above the lake. I crack straight up then meet boulders, so need to sidle closer to the edge before getting to grass and a bit more loose rock. It's cool up here, looking down on the sweet lake, but to the south, clouds are building in an aggressive dark gray, so I quickly pick my way right back down again to avoid being at least part of the tallest object. The trail heads steeply down to the junction for Granite Canyon, then straight up, no switchbacks to soften the climb. I feel good, though, and stay under my breath and in rhythm. As I reach the top, the sky completely clears to a robin egg blue. I get views back to the Tetons, but can only just make them out now. Below is a massive meadow with a river running through and white bark pines standing straight and tall. As I descend, dark clouds move in and thunder rumbles in the distance. (laughs) I get a move on. Knowing the turnoff for where I plan to camp is not very far, but I'm out in the open in a large meadow between mountains. It rolls and is not completely flat, 
carved this way by ice. I come upon a tiny pond and turn towards another canyon, zigzagging steeply down. I'd read that Moose Lake was a cool place to camp, but it does make for a short day. While well, it's one false lake after another to the top, exposed in a difficult descent to the water, the sign asks us to camp at least a half a mile away from the lakes. And then my heart starts racing. What on earth set it off? I'm eating, I'm drinking, I'm going slowly, even if a little out of breath. I laugh as I pass the false lakes and yell for bears in the willows, and it's not long before I'm back and can filter water and rest. It's a real pain because my body feels heavy and everything is a chore. But my doctor gave me beta blockers, so I take one, then proceed to eat all of the beef jerky. I am in a totally safe place where I can set my tent, fetch water, and still have a decent amount of food. I'm just leaden. So I wait, and I see. More storm clouds move in, then move out again. Then I do my deep breathing exercises. Six seconds in through the nose, six out through the nose. 25 repeats, about five minutes. The breathing, the beta blocker, the meat, they do the trick, and my heart is back to resting rate. Okay, I'll go slow and keep moving. I head up through crunchy bushes, the prairie smoke completely blown out in a wild swirl of cotton. I meet the trail and it moves up so gradually I barely feel it. This whole set of trails could be walked as a loop. I might have chosen to follow Moose Creek instead of the pass since it eventually meets a road. But I'm stubborn and I want to walk the Teton Crest end to end, which includes this long climb. But right now it feels as if the canyon is pulling away from me. Every so often I see it further down through V-shaped toboggan runs and tall pines. It's not the spectacular features of the Grand Tetons here, more walls eroding into deep canyons and being taken over by meadow and pine. But I love it, especially when I catch a glimpse back to where I climbed all my false lakes. It's silent in here, and I am completely alone except for a hawk who flies straight towards me on majestic wings before lifting up and out over the canyon. I enter deeper forest and cross a few blowdowns, only having to step high to get over. And then the trail goes up. And up and up. On the map, there's no indication of switchbacks, which often means there's no room. So the only path forward is the shortest distance between two points. <laughs> that means it's very steep and I go into low gear and inch up. At first on a fairly wide bit of land, which then gets thinner, I'm headed to a kind of dead end of rock wall and pines. How are they getting me out of here, I wonder? Aha! It's a tiny ramp right on the edge of the rock. Small stones cause me to slide a bit, but I keep moving like the little engine that could, and soon reach the top. It's a startling view looking back, seeing today and yesterday's walk, and it continues along a catwalk. The trail is wide enough, but one step to the right and you're over the edge a thousand feet. So I press on gingerly, not looking down too much, and I finally come to a saddle. The ground is a soft green brown, it's sage and the first I've seen on the trail. 
dark green pines huddle in groups, and I wonder if now I'll find water and can set camp. It's still a good ways down, and I see no sign of it. Checking my map, I'm fairly certain I'll cross a stream just below. As I begin to descend into Phillips Pass Canyon, I notice the hills are a dark pink. It's millions of fireweed, the leaves turning as well as the flowers exploding in cotton and corkscrew curls. The leaves have a kind of sap that sparkles in the light. It's absolute magic. I reach the water right away, and I've learned to get it when you can, because you never know if a stream will go underground or be inaccessible to the trail. Surely there are a few sites people have created over the years. No, not a single one. And those flowers that I love so much, the fireweed, they make for lumpy ground, completely unsuitable for a tent. Making matters worse, the trail does not just head down to the road. Rather, it goes up and steeply, rising far above the creek. It's not just the plants that make it hard to set, but all the pica burrows and long dirt piles, crisscrossing like an outdoor version of habit trail. As I come up a particularly steep rise, I meet another backpacker. He's desperate for water, and me, I'm desperate for a campsite. I tell him water is running, but it might be hard to get to from the trail. He tells me there's meadows ahead, perfect for camping. And then he proceeds to discuss his plans, wanting recommendations from me. I apologize profusely and say, I've got to go. It's going to get dark soon, and I really need to find a site. I head on to those meadows, which are really just more of the same. Oh my God, of course he thought it was a great camping place. He uses a hammock. What does he know of tent camping? I begin to wonder if I should just walk out and set in the parking lot. And then it begins to thunder again. Okay, that does it. By these trees, this is where I'm camping. Except the only way to set is to have my tent covering the trail. Well, no matter, I set fast as the thunder rumbles, getting everything inside my tent just as it begins to rain. It's not a long shower, but it's pretty heavy. I exit in rain gear to a monstrous thunderhead now turning pink and seemingly out of juice. I sit on a damp but well-placed log to make dinner, and just as I clean up, another backpacker arrives with her dog. Her name is Bridget, and she's amused by my setup, but gets herself around just fine as she's headed up to meet a friend at the pass. She assures me this is not a popular trail, and besides, it's night. I should be fine in this awkward spot. From about two to three in the morning... The lightning is on full blast, a kind of strobe light with long, rolling thunder following. It never seems to hit the ground, and once my nerves calm down, I just lie there enjoying the sound. Surprisingly, this last night is the best sleep of the trip, deep and long, though someone walks past very early in the morning. A person? An animal? They don't stop or answer when I call. The tent is soaking wet and cold as I take it down. I head up to Ski Lake for breakfast, one more side trip. The views open up of rounded mountains and a fuzzy sunrise and smoke. 
The lake is perfectly round under a huge eroding cliff. I'm surprised to see piles of driftwood leading away from the lake. And these are not tiny pieces, but entire trees. It leaves an air of violence in this absolutely silent place. I walk around the lake, carefully stepping over fallen rock, then depart, looking for a place to have breakfast. There's a rock looking out to the mountains and above the trail that fits my bottom just so. I take out the last of the food and begin devouring all of it, most of the crumbs and powders and grease ending up on my $3.99 trousers. In between bites, I take out my tent to dry in the sun. It's not far to the road, just two miles of descent. The sound of cars and trucks managing a 10% grade over Teton Pass into Idaho, reaching me way up the mountain. More hikers come up with dogs, running and carrying babies on board. I'm so delighted I had the place all to myself most of the morning. At the road, I get a hitch within minutes, riding in an overloaded truck with vacationers from the Midwest. They take me to Wilson, where I phone Bear and make plans for the evening. And just like that, the hike is over. Let's face it, it wasn't all that hard, especially since I cut my daily mileage by about two-thirds. I had very few obstacles except for a few moments of worrying thunder. I stayed pretty healthy, even with one episode of tachycardia, which I was able to get under control. All in all, it was a hike I savored, spending more time just looking and studying my surroundings, simply being in them rather than passing through them. Does it make me braver for the next hikes, and perhaps ready to take on one of more magnitude? I don't know. But one thing is absolutely certain— It's reminded me why I love backpacking so much. Spending day after day outside, carrying all I need on my back, and becoming, at least for a short time, a resident in the wilderness. So it's exactly what was needed to overcome any lingering doubt that this activity is one I love, one that expresses the truest part of me, and one that I can handle doing all the way into my old age. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review on Apple to help the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can support the show financially as a patron. Help me buy food, get to where I'm going, wash and repair the kit, and carve out the time it takes to write and record. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. You may not hear from me for a while, at least until I get signal. I'm headed now to Scotland to walk in the Western Highlands from Fort William to Cape Wrath. It's not really a trail, it's more of a route. And they say October can be stunning in Scotland with fall colors and drier conditions. Or not. <laughs> Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs>